say quick, uh, you know, that our, our hearts, our thoughts, our prayers are with uh, the folks in Waverly uh, and on that surrounding area right now. I've had a couple people mention to me, you know, what's, uh, what's the plan? Uh, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know that yet. Uh, we, uh, we will more than likely uh, be looking at trying to help somebody at some point somewhere and uh, you know a lot of times that happens through maybe a connection in our church uh, I already know at least one person that uh, has some connections to a lot of folks there uh, spent a little while uh, looking at his phone yesterday where he's from uh, and uh, and that, that that is where he's from uh, he's not a part of our church but uh, is a good friend of 24 uh, but uh, anyway if you if you happen to be from those areas and uh, as things start to uh, people start to kind of try to figure out life and, and you know needs or something, uh, let us know, talk to us, and uh, let's see if uh, we can try to help some folks. Uh, and, and it may be that we try to come alongside. I mean, I, I know I saw at least one church completely underwater uh, in some of those photos and things yesterday. So uh, we've, we've, we've been here before uh, with uh, the flood that came through Nashville and came through the lower part of, uh, well, part of Cheatham County, I should say lower uh, but um, anyway, uh, we, we will see if, uh, if the Lord's leading us to, uh, to help with some cleanup and, and help some folks and minister to some folks and encourage them and that kind of thing. So uh, keep that on your radar. Uh, we're also praying uh, for uh, the folks in Afghanistan, for uh, especially Christians and churches there uh, who are uh, uh, looking at possibly losing their lives for being Christians in the midst of what's going on there. And uh, it's just, man, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, to see all that stuff and to hear about that stuff. So, uh, in fact, why don't we do this? Can we just pray real quick? Let's pray for, for all those folks involved in both those things. God, we just come to you uh, because we, we, we don't have the answers, but you do. And, uh, and we pray and trust, Lord, that you will have your hand upon uh, the folks here in Tennessee that have <clears throat> experienced this uh, disaster in the last couple of days uh, with flooding and all of this. God, just have your hand on them. Uh, Lord, be with families who have already lost people, uh, and God, at the same time, we just pray that you would just give them comfort and peace and just help guide them through these moments. Lord, help provide, uh, protect them. Uh, Lord, just get them through this, and uh, Lord, use, use your church at large, us and, and, and the church at large, Lord, to uh, be a part of ministering to these people and helping them get back on their feet. Uh, Lord, and just loving and caring for them. God, may I, I pray that you, you would show off, that you would show Christ and his love through all of us, through moments like this. And uh, God, I do pray for the folks in Afghanistan. I pray for what's going on there. Lord, you know better than we do. And uh, Lord, you, you know how, uh, Lord, to protect and care and take care of people in the midst of moments like that. And God, I pray that you would uh, do so uh, in these moments ahead. And uh, God, just uh, continue to, uh, uh, Lord, work in, in, in Lord, God-sized ways, uh, Lord, to minister to those folks that are there. Uh, God, thank you that we can come and that we can ask these things, and that we know that you are sovereign over all of them. And uh, God, thank you for that reminder today. Uh, Lord, be with us as we study your word, speak through it. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. All right. Uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, once you get it out and go to uh, Psalm 139, if you don't have a Bible, let one of our ushers bring you one, Psalm 139, <clears throat> and today is the last day of David. So uh, we always get to the end of a series and, and 
Like some people will be like, man, I wish it wasn't ending. And some people are like, man, I'm glad he's going to quit talking about that guy, David. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I never know which one's which. But no, I, I think this has been, I think it's been a great series. It's been good. It's been good for my heart. It's been good for me. Uh, that's usually a pretty good uh, test for what's going on. Most of the time I'm preaching to myself. If you hadn't figured that out by now. Uh, because I'm the biggest sinner in the room, so uh, it works out. But uh, no, uh, this uh, this passage today is uh, the continuation of what we studied last week, uh, which was uh, Psalm 139. We we read and studied through the first part of Psalm 139 last week, uh, and then this week we're going to finish Psalm 139, uh, and then we've got some other things coming. By, by the way, I know Ben will mention at the end, uh, we've got Plunge coming uh, next week. Uh, so we will not be here, okay? Don't forget that. Uh, we won't be here in this building meeting next week. Plunge is next week. Plunge will be at Cheatham Dam. Uh, there's a sign-up on the, on the app through the website. You can sign up at the front desk if you don't want to fool with any of that. You're just lazy or don't know how to use technology. That's fine. We don't care. Uh, we just want you to come. Uh, and we need to know how much food to get. So uh, we've got you bringing a little food. We're bringing some food. And then, you know, all together we're going to have a big... Uh, church-wide picnic and baptism uh, there. We've got a whole bunch of people in a baptism class right now. We had a whole bunch of people went through a baptism class last week, uh, and uh, just exciting, exciting stuff. So uh, that's uh, that's all happening next week. So just you know, uh, he'll he'll get in the details of that. But just don't show up here next week and be like, "Oh, I came to church. And you weren't there." That's my, that's my. I don't know whose voice that was. That was Jr.'s voice. We'll just give it to him. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, speaking of JR, I want to thank uh, all the folks that uh, are helping at the Hope Center uh, right now. We uh, Yesterday, we uh, the, those guys spent a great deal of time doing some framing of the shower house and it is, uh, it is coming together and uh, just even getting to be with them uh, and like getting to see the layout and have, have JR explain it to me because it's just a bunch of pipes sticking out of concrete and stuff and I'm like trying to figure out what's what. Uh, you know, he was able to be like, oh, well, these are all showers. We've got, there's going to be uh, five showers, uh, and uh, I think like four could even possibly be more if they were the stackable uh, washers and dryers uh, for these guys to be able to use. They're actually, they're actually up to 29 guys staying in that house. This is a sober living house. It's a one-year program. One of the greatest discipleship things I've ever seen in my life with how they lead these guys uh, through Scripture and everything. I mean, I, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I'm a fan, and uh, I'm not that deep of a fan of a lot of things sometimes like that that uh, seem like something on the outside but aren't really what they seem. Uh, and uh, anyway, uh, they got 29 guys there right now, but he told me, and they had 28. They only had 28 beds. They told me they had 29 yesterday, and I was like, you threw a bed in a corner somewhere or something? And they are like, yeah, pretty much. And uh, I said, well, man, that's that's awesome. I said, uh, and Stephen told me that, uh, they actually have 100 guys waiting to get in the program. So, um, you know, just, and, and, and we've thrown this out before, I'll just throw it out again, just something to be praying about for our church is us, us potentially opening one of these homes that would be a part of the Hope Center uh, ministry, it would be led by their people, but we would help open it, we would be their sponsoring church, they would attend church with us, all these things, just be in prayer. Uh, about that. There's huge, huge need. I think they're doing a better job of that than, uh, than a lot of folks that I have seen over the years. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, just, just be praying about that. So let's, ju- let's jump into Psalm 139 talk about this junk all day. Uh, Psalm 139 is the second part of this 
passage uh, is, is one of these passages that, you know, just kind of jumps out at you uh, when you really start looking at it and seeing uh, you know, the things that he's talking about of God and who God is and what God has done. Uh, and specifically, we see uh, him talking uh, about you know these things happening before we were even made and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's this reminder to us today of how big God is. And I don't know about you, but on, on days when I see the floodwaters rising and I hear about the potential of people you know, being uh, killed for their faith, whatever it is, uh, what, I, what I see over and over is just, and what I need to be reminded of is just how big God really is and that He's so much bigger than all these things. Uh, and, and this passage today, uh, perfectly timed in my opinion, which is, I think is one of the great things about, uh, you know, when you're walking through Scripture a little bit here and there and just how God might time out, you know, when you might study something uh, this was planned forever ago, you know, and, and just being able to walk into this passage today, I think it's huge for us. Uh, Psalm 139, let's just go ahead and start reading it. Psalm 139, uh, verse 13, and it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Excuse me. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I'll stop here and just kind of take a second. And go back and look at this. When you, when you get to looking at this, verse 13, it starts off, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. This is, this is some big stuff. This is, this is talking about like before we knew what was going on, God knew what was going on with us. And that's, a, that's a big statement for us today. In fact, you keep going there. It says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works, for my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So we have knitted me together, you knitted me together, and intricately woven, you know, these two, these two things uh, that are, you know, being described here are complex things. Now, I'm, I'm not much of a knitter myself, uh, as you might imagine, uh, but you know, to knit something together—that's a pretty—that's a pretty complex thing to do. And 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 he's using, David's using these words to help us to understand and and to drive home the idea of this of this process of which God has put together literally tissue and all of these things, muscles and nerves and bones and whatnot. My frame, my bones were not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Embryo. I mean, it, it, if, you ever, if you ever wanted a passage of Scripture to try to help settle you know, where you might fall on the issue of abortion, and I don't do political here, but I do life, uh, and I do things that I think that God are pro, you know, this is, you know, right here. I mean, here it is. 
This is the Lord putting us together. It's not by accident. It's not some mistake of our own. It's not any of these things. You know, it, it, it's this amazing thing in which God has done for us. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. This is following on the heels of, of, of David talking about the darkness. If you, if you remember the passage from last week uh, where he ends, I believe, in verses 11 and 12, Dave, David begins talking about, you know, to go through this darkness. And if you've got your Bible, you can look at it. We, don't, we, don't, I probably, we probably don't have it here. It's fine. Uh, but, you know, just to remember the, the dark things, these dark moments that we go through in life, I think David is is I think David was twofold, you know, talking about those hard moments in life, but then also he turns around and he talks about this darkness and and says, you know, because how it starts off, for you formed my inward parts in verse uh, thirteen right there, for is pointing back at what he just talked about. And so what did he just talk about? He talked about darkness. Well, that also is referring to the mother's womb, where God would knit us together. He would work these things out for our lives in even the darkness. And, and, and you go back and you reread verses 11 and 12, and, and they almost come to life in a new way when you're seeing them because of this passage continuing on here. He knew us before we were born. He created us, knitted us, wove us together. Which is a very complex thing and He cares over every detail of who we are. He cares about us. And I think, man, how many, how many days of my life have I believed the lie that Satan wants me to believe that God doesn't really care about me or these things going on in life or whatever it is and and if we're real honest with ourselves we've all had those you know we've all had those moments where like oh I just don't feel like God's with me I don't feel like he cares about me or whatever it is and the truth is is that not only does he care about us he loves us and he cares about us so much that he cares about even the details of who we are Formed for me. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Formed for me. The Lord, the Lord has planned out the days of our lives. I'm not talking about the, I said that as soon as I said that. You're, you're, you're hearing the song, right? Dun, dun, dun. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The Lord has planned out every day of our life. I mean, you think about that. How amazing is that? This is, this is, this is our Creator who not created us, but He's planned out days and and in planning out our days what does that tell us it tells us that he has a purpose for us he has a purpose for you he has ideas and plans for your life 
you're like, well, wait a second, I got some plans for my life, you know? Yeah? And, and but here's the truth is like the, the trick is like, can we get in sync with him to follow him to seek out what the plans are that he has for our lives, not the plans that we have for our lives. And that's hard. Because we're some of us are good planners, some of us are not good planners. Sometimes I'm glad I'm not a great planner. I, I already, you know, I can already in my head like be ten steps ahead of you know where I think I need to do this, need to do that, where I need to be with this or that, you know. And and at the end of the day, I think sometimes maybe it's better off. Maybe I'm better off being a gunslinger in life, just kind of floating through and like, okay, Lord, what's next? What's next? You know. Thank God He puts people around me that plan. He has planned out the days of our lives. He has a purpose for us. Then in verse 17, David shifts gears like three times in this passage. And in verse 17, he shifts gears just a little bit. And he says this. And he says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. So David goes from this like very like introspective like this is what God has done in making me type of a type of a little bit of a, a talk. And this, by the way, let's be reminded this was a song. Okay, David wrote this as a song. So take your favorite song and you know put music to it. Whatever you could take, maybe take the music of your favorite song. But this, some of you are like that'd be really weird if you knew what my favorite song is. It's okay. But he says, in switching gears here, he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. So he goes from like really thinking about what God has done for him in creating him and making him and planning out his days and weaving him together in his mother's womb and all this craziness. Then he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of... David is taking a moment now to think about the things that God thinks about. Well, when was the last time you did that? You know, we're so busy thinking about, thinking about our own thoughts. We're like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't even keep up with my thoughts. You know, David's talking about spending time meditating on thinking about the thoughts of God. The things running through God's mind. What, what's God's mind got going on today? What's, what's on God's heart today. That's a, that's a huge statement. And it's followed by all these things that, that are a reminder that this is a huge statement. First of all, how vast is the sum of them? Verse 18, if I would count them, they are more than the sand. More than the sand. You want, you want to know what oh, I hate about the beach? The sand. I, you know, like it when I'm on it, you know? But like when you've got seven kids, I mean, it's, it's bad enough that the sand like gets like everywhere, you know? And like you just, man, it's like you can't get it off or whatever. And, and then you got seven kids and your wife's like, hey, we got this wagon. We're going to pull this wagon out there on the beach with all this food and stuff in it so that we can have our day at the beach, you know? We don't have to go back to the van. I, let me tell you what, that's a trap. 
That's a trap. You ever pulled a big old heavy wagon full of all kinds of stuff and usually like some sleeping kid in it on the way back? And I'm thinking, the whole time I'm thinking like, is there anybody up there in the parking area that has a winch long enough that we could pull that thing out and hook it up to this wagon and we could just winch this sucker on back up to the street, you know? Oh, sand everywhere. And here he says, if I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. I awake and I am still with you. God's thoughts. God's thoughts. You think, well, my thoughts are probably about the same. I've got as many thoughts as the sand some days. Yeah, I, I get that. You think about God's thoughts? I mean, David, David, is, David is taking a moment here to really think through like the fact that God is thinking about all of us at the same time. Let me tell you what, one, probably the most challenging part of being a pastor is trying to keep up with people. Just try, trying to know what's going on in people's lives when you've got many people, okay? And, you know, and I, some people say, well, how many people go to your church? Well, I don't, you know, I say, well, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, well, how do you not know? I'm like, well, because they're never there all the time, you know? And some of that literally is a cultural thing. There's a cultural thing that's happened over the last many years before COVID and all this other stuff uh, where people got to where they were starting to go to church like every other week or once a month. And, it, and I think uh, the last thing before, that I saw before COVID was this more like once a month thing for a lot of people. And, I, and of course, I, I hate that. It is what it is. And, you know, I'm just called to minister. And so, uh, you know, trying to keep up with people and see people, know what's going on in their lives, and, you know, message here, there, whatever, and, and sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm doing a terrible job at that, you know, just being honest, uh, you know, and then I think of this thought of where David is going, because he just spent time explaining and thinking on the fact that God created every one of us, wove us in our mother's wombs, knew what was going on, even our frames, knew what was going on with them, all of the things, numbered the days, and, the, and I'm thinking, I can't number my own days some weeks. And he's, he's got our days numbered. He knows what's going on with us. He knows what our struggles are. And he loves us and he cares about us. And then David's now thinking about like all the thoughts. No wonder that there's as many of them as the sand. And he says, I awake. I am still with you. And I awake here, depending upon which theologian you want to talk to, kind of goes a couple different ways. I, really, I don't think you could go wrong with either one, and I'll just tell you both. Uh, the first one is that this is like a dream, and, you know, like a dream, but unlike a dream, God's love is real, and that He's woken up from the dream and realizes the dream wasn't real, but then He wakes up and he realizes that God's love is real. The Expositors talks about that. And then uh, in the whole I awake thing, with some folks they say, well, it's possibly the, you know, pointing to our resurrection. 
you know, our afterlife. That, you know, when we die, we will wake and He is there. Either way, as it says, He is still with us. He is still with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We studied that last week. In verse 19, it goes on, and it says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malice intent. Malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. Count them my enemies. Like, whoa. We switched again, didn't we? And if you're like me, you're reading that and you're going, well, I, you know, how does this jive with some of the rest of Scripture? You know? You know, I'm supposed to love everybody, right? Yeah, absolutely. And here I think what we have is we have David where we see him so on fire for the Lord. So on fire and following a God who created him and he loves him despite who he is. Think about being David. Think about being David. Think about who David is. David the king. David the warrior. You know? And he's used to many people coming against him talking trash and literally wanting to come and kill him and and he has seen all this evil in the world and in this moment of being retrospective in in who God is he's coming back on the backside of thinking about who God is and he's saying to he's saying to the Lord Lord how in the Could these people not follow you after what you've done for them? Because he's looking at it and what God has done for him. A guy who was so faithful to the Lord and then fell way off that wagon, you know, and made some huge mistakes in life. We're talking, we're talking monster huge, right? You know, we're talking, we're talking adultery, we're talking. Uh, murders, murders, you know, I mean, just, I mean, just awful, awful stuff. And David's still standing. Looking at this and he's going, God, what you've done for me, how can they turn their back on you? How can they run from you? He is in such awe of who God is. And His goodness toward us that He can't comprehend that there would be any that would not love Him back the way they have been loved. This is a bit of a prayer made in distress. And part of this is David just crying to the Lord. He just almost a, Him saying, Lord, I, I ride with You. You know? Like, like I'm, I'm your boy. Like I, you know, just so, just so we're clear. I've done a bunch of, you know, stupid stuff in the past, but, but I'm your boy. You know, like I, I'm with you. And even what comes to mind, the, the saying, you know, love God, hate evil. And I don't think David's really hating the people themselves. He's hating what they stand for. He's hating what they're doing. 
And the reason that I say that is because David flips the switch one more time before we get out of Psalm 139. And he goes inward in this next section. Verse 23. Check out verse 23. And it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Verse 23, search me. So, so you know, where it, it, almost, it almost felt like he's like going on the attack, like he's ready to go to battle against these people that are against the Lord. And think, I think he is somewhat saying, Lord, I'm, I'm with you. I got your back. I would go to battle for you kind of thing. You know, but then he goes, he goes and he turns it on himself. And in verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, this is how, this is how we started out Psalm 139. Remember that? Remember last week, if you were here last week, we had the, we had the sifting going on. Remember the sifting? We had all that. You know, if you missed it, you go watch the video or whatever. Um, we talked about how God searches our hearts and He literally sifts our hearts to pull out at times and help pull out so that we can see clearly the things that are not good that are in our hearts. And that happens when we spend time with the Lord, right? I mean, that's kind of what we talked about last week is that, you know, we spend time with the Lord, all of a sudden these things kind of come to the top and that's just, that's just natural conviction of our hearts and all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was an issue and there's an issue. And I, uh, Lord, you're wanting to deal with that and you're wanting me to deal with that and you know, and so we begin to, you know, maybe work a process, or whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, he's saying, "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts." So he's gone from what looks like could be considered, and I don't think it is, this like judgmental pointing of fingers at these other people. I think he's just mad at the world for not following the Lord. Is really what that comes down to. And then before you start to think, "Oh, David's," really, you know, getting to be the finger pointer, isn't he? The next thing you know, we've got this. Where he turns it on himself and he's like, Lord, I lay myself bare. Search me. Oh God, know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. So we've covered God's thoughts and our thoughts now. And he's like, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to uncover anything in me that's not going on. Verse 24, and see if there are any grievous, if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Any grievous way in me, uh, grievous is, you know, anything that causes grief. I don't know about you, but I don't want something in my life that causes me grief. I mean, grief is a part of life, suffering is a part of life, it's part of our calling, it's part of what we go through. We know that, we see that all through Scripture. But, sometimes there's that stuff in there that we're allowing to be there. And it's doing nothing but hurt us. And David's like, pull that stuff out. And then he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. The way everlasting. What, what is that? That's His kingdom. That's God's kingdom. Lead me toward your kingdom. Lead me to the things that are for your kingdom, not for my kingdom, right? The way everlasting, living for the kingdom of God. Living with the thought of the next life. 
That's hard to do. We're, we're so, you know, we're just trying to figure out what's going off Netflix this month. You know? Man, we got we the rest of that season or whatever, right? Gonna take that off. This reminded me of another passage of Scripture, this whole searching thing. And and man, it just jumped at me. It just jumped at me as I was studying through this. And it's Matthew 18, verse verse 12. It may not be up here. I'll just read it over. You've probably heard it before. And this is Jesus speaking here. And He says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it. More than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let me tell you something. He loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. And in moments in our life when we stray away, He comes after us. He leaves the ninety-nine. This is Jesus sharing this. And when He finds us, verse 13, truly I say to you, He rejoices over it. He rejoices over you. He throws a party over you. When you turn from your sin and you say, God, I want You. I want You to lead my life. I want Jesus to be my Savior. This amazing thing happens. The rejoicing that goes on in heaven. The rejoicing that goes on within uh, the church. It's an amazing thing. That's what what next week's all about. Plunge is all about us getting together next week to rejoice in that Christ has saved the lives of all the people that are going to go in those waters. The waters aren't about any other single thing but that. That's huge. He rejoices over you, and He rejoices over me. And I think I understand why David is so passionate here. He's reflecting on his life. And maybe even in the middle of a storm, and he realizes God's love for him despite all the screw-ups and all he had going on outside, how all, the, all that God had going on outside of David's little life. And yet, he still cared. God allows us to know all about David. Why? Why do we get to know all about David in his life? What do we take away from his life? After 16 or so weeks of studying through it, no matter how big you get, the king, the warrior, God is bigger. God is enough. God has a plan. David knows that his little life was created for a reason. And it's for God's glory.
God loves us so much. He sends Jesus to come after us while we are astray. He brings us back. He rejoices over us. And the question for you today is this. Has He rejoiced over you? Do you know Jesus? Have you trusted in the sacrifice that He made on the cross? That when His blood was shed, that it's forgiven your sins? And that in coming into the family of God, that He's given you new life? If you don't know Christ, we're going to do something here in a few minutes that you, you won't be a part of, but I want to encourage you that even though you're not a part of communion with us in a, in a few minutes, uh, which is specifically for those who have trusted in Christ, I want to encourage you, spend that time praying. Spend that time seeking the Lord. Spend that time asking Him, God, what, what's it mean to know you? What's it take? And listen, I would love to talk to you before you get out of here today about what it means to trust in Christ as your Savior. David is a great Christian. Great follower of God. Great warrior for the faith. But we are reminded through David's life that as great as David was, Jesus, Jesus would be the Savior. Jesus would be the better David. He would be the one to come and make all things right and all things new again. For us today, we are reminded that God is larger than all of life. Larger than all the things that we have going on and that we see in the news. Bigger than all those things. We can trust in Him. He knows all of the things. Praise God for that. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for us as a church, Lord, that we would just be reminded, Lord, of Your goodness and Your graciousness toward our lives. God, we don't deserve it, but God, You give it and You give it freely to anyone who would trust in it, who wants to believe in it. God, I just I pray, Lord, for anyone right now, Lord, that is on the fence, Lord, about trusting in You to be their Savior. God, I pray that they wouldn't hang their hat on uh, anything from the past of you know who their parents or grandparents were just always growing up in church. God, I pray that they would know in their heart whether or not they have trusted in You to save them. At some point in their life, God, You have come into their life and You have done a great work and made them new again. God, if, if that hasn't happened, God, I pray that today, that right now could be that moment that they could trust in You, that they could seek You, that You would save them, that You would give them forgiveness, God, that You would give them a new life. God, thank You. Thank you that we know that we can come and that we can do that. But Lord, more importantly, that you do that in us and we can't do it for ourselves. God, we trust in you for all of the things in this life, but especially our salvation. God, may we be reminded today just how great you are in all the things of this life in this world. God, we trust in you for all of them. God, thank you for this time that we've had in your word uh, for the last many weeks. God, may we learn Lord, from David's life, what it looks like, Lord, to seek you, to trust in you for all the things. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen.